in the second quarter, five sacks. Three unblocked. Unblocked sacks. It's time to drop your nuts. We have a penalty on third and 100 that gives them a new set of downs. How do you want to look? Poor little old me or check whoop ass? Get your hands up. Get ready to go. Go. Ready, break? Now get with your coaches. In the beginning, there was darkness. Then there was Paul Brown. Paul Brown transformed the game. Hello, Paul Brown here. Welcome to the first ever International Browns podcast. Good morning, Cleveland. I'm here with Ian Wright Wright and a special guest, Blake Williams. He's there in the office with the stadium, the Brown Stadium in the background. Blake, welcome to the show. Thank you. Thank you, Paul. Thank you, Ian. Thank you for having me here today. Blake, um, we've been going backwards and forwards on Twitter probably since 2017. We met Browns versus Jets. 2019, yeah. 2019, I met you and your dad after the game. And you did tell me one thing. I didn't really repeat it. You said, Paul, we may be, we've still got a house in Cleveland and one day you may see us back in Cleveland. And Blake, Mm -hmm. you're now in Cleveland. I wasn't lying. (laughs) Telling the truth, yeah. Yeah, good, good. And um, so tell us, what's going on? You're back in Cleveland. Yeah, so um, like you said, and like I told you then, I mean, we we fell in love with Cleveland um, when we moved here, and we genuinely did. Um, it was an awesome organization, awesome people. You know, they're still there, but really just the town, um, the 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 people, um, the kind of the culture. You guys have been here, you know. Um, it's 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 big time. I'm I'm originally from Kansas City, like, and my whole family's from Kansas City, and um, I did not quite know what to expect when I first moved to. Uh, Cleveland and it's like eerily similar almost like a sister city from that a very wholesome kind of midwestern type of type of feel and and we fell in love with it we live out in Berea um, which is where the facility is Um, in in part you know to to be close to the facility because my first child was three weeks old when when I first took the the Browns job so I wanted to to be close to to home and and so we that was always our plan we were going to rent it out to say other Browns coaches or players our house and maintaining, and if I ever decided to uh, to to be stupid and shut it down, and and use use my my Princeton degree and going and do something else in life, we could see ourselves moving back there and kind of setting up shop and 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 having a family, and that's 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 what we ended up doing. Um, so I shut it down three years ago, uh, retired, and we moved back um, here and um, run a big private wealth management firm um, called Lakefront Capital, which is you can. You can see the Brown Stadium. I, I, it's funny, like I said, I get a, I get a look out out of my current window, my current office window, into my old office window every day. But we're right here on the on the Lake Erie Lakefront, hence hence Lakefront Capital, um, and and that's what I do, you know, with with the majority of my days these days. Awesome, and is 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 Granddad uh, Greg in town as well, or is he out of town? He is out of town right now. He's not not in town right now. He's been. Um, he was in town, and then he and then he went uh, back to. He's been because you know he's in the XFL right now, so this is their off season. So he was uh, back at his alma mater, um, where in Missouri, helping out in training camp and whatnot. Where where his college roommate, also named Greg, funny enough, has been the head coach um, at their alma mater for a number of years, and and. And that guy's son is, is the has been the defense coordinator for a number of years. So he's been uh he's been out there, you know, helping out and whatnot, and seeing his family. But I'm sure he'll be. I think he'll be back out here maybe uh, next week, sometime mid next week or next week. Will he be back for the Browns game? Hopefully, hopefully. Uh, we've got he's gonna he's gonna run through here and, and pick me up, and we're gonna drive over to D.C. where my uh, my little brother. Um, who was a, a captain and an All-American everything at Virginia Tech before playing for a cup of coffee in the league at a couple of places, um, as, as a middle linebacker always said, but he's going into the Virginia State um, Athletic Hall of Fame next Friday. 
Um, and, and so we're going to go over there for that and then come back over, but hopefully we'll, we'll be able to get out there. Like, that's my goal. Like I've never, you said, I've never tailgated before. Like you got to think I, if you think about it, like my life, I've either played or coached, you know, in really like every game that I've been to, you know, um, and whatnot. So I definitely, um, am interested and intrigued and excited to like experience the fan side of, of the sport in all respects, like the Mooney Light, all, all the cool stuff I've heard about and seen, but never got a chance to to really partake in in my entire life in in the game um, and really immerse myself in the in the in the culture of it. To be fair, there's tailgating and then there's tailgating with Paul. You have to be very careful because you maybe don't know what you're signing up for when you say I'm going to go tailgate with Paul. I tailgated hey. with Paul. We were in Pittsburgh. <laughs> I mean, there's shots, there's hand being thrown at you. You just can never actually predict what's going to happen at a Paul Brown tailgate. I, that's that's what I'm looking for. That's what I think of when I hear about the uh, the tailgate. So that's that, that's what I'm looking for. What's the earliest I can get you up on uh, game day, do you think, Blake? The earliest? I mean, I, I, I'm boots on the ground at 5 a.m. every morning. Okay, that's still... We'll start at 7 o'clock, so... Uh... And uh, I'll be I'll be at Muni lot at the start at seven o'clock setting up helping the locals up, so uh, that that'd be great. And we'll give you the full experience on game day. So uh, and please bring please bring, bring the family down, bring granddad down, and uh, it'd be a great great uh, great time. Definitely. Well, let's talk a little football. If we're gonna have a uh, a football coach on, we got to talk a little bit of football. So okay. you, obviously, you know, now you and our current head coach, you're both Stan, uh, Princeton alums, right? You guys are both Tigers. Uh no, right? He's a Penn alum. Oh, he's Penn. Who's Princeton? Is it Barry? No, that's he's that's Harvard, right? You so we damn Ivy trash. Leaguers. Trust me, trust me, all of us, and then D, and then Depot, Paul Podesto is, is is Harvard as well too. So trust me, we all trash talk back and forth. We we all Stefanski and Andrew and I all played against each other. Um, okay, Andrew Andrew has a twin brother, like an identical identical twin yes. brother, and Andrew's brother Adam Barry played with me at Princeton. And okay. it was always funny because Andrew was a Andrew was a, a corner and a in a very, very good corner at Harvard. His brother was a wide receiver and a really good starting wide receiver for us at at uh at um Princeton. And so when we would play, like they would travel with each other. So it was just it was fun to watch those matchups of those two twins traveling all over the field, you know, playing playing man, you know, against you know, or running routes against each other and, and battling and competing. Uh, but and that his other brother just left Goldman Sachs this offseason after a career in the finance world and, and went to go um, uh, to the in the front office at the Philadelphia Eagles. That That is success in the DNA, as you will find it like no out. Yeah. So no doubt. No running, doubt. running through your coaching career. So you started 2008. Do I have that right with yes. Jacksonville and or you started with the Redskins and then you moved to Jacksonville? Yeah. Started as a coaching intern at the Redskins back when they were still the still the Redskins, you know, and um, coach for a number of played coach for the Rams when they were still in St. Louis, right? Like so when they had former names, but yeah, they went to Jacksonville and then um, they went to New Orleans, uh, won a Super Bowl at the Saints, had, had three amazing years um, there, um, then up to, to St. Louis, um, then then over to Kansas City and down back down to New Orleans, but at a at a Division One college. Um, in my brief college time um, down there in, in, in New Orleans, and then uh, and then came up came up uh, um, here from from there, you know, the Browns, and then over to the Jets. So it's a nomadic profession for sure. I mean, I lived it growing up, obviously. So it's like uh, akin to, I guess, being a military kid. But uh, you get to see a lot of cool places. And that brings you. You come to Cleveland. It's 2017, and. Browns fans, you know, I've obviously, I've been a lifelong Browns fan and it was this one where the team had that little blip in 2014. They lost the success, you know, Mike Pettin goes out 2017 and obviously Hugh Jackson and the staff comes in, but fast forward to the end of the season, it's the end of the 2017 season, obviously will go down in history as a memorable season. How difficult was it as a coach to put in 80, 100 hour work weeks every single week, ultimately to, you know, not get the results you guys are looking for every Sunday. Yeah, I mean, that's that's always a difficult 
um, part of it, right? And it's not just us, it's the players as well, too, right? And they're putting in that work and then they're putting in that work on their on their body, right? And then and then when you're not winning, especially you're not winning at volume, right? Like that's I mean, I, I would sympathize with it always, like from I always sympathize it or view from the the, the player standpoint of like of wear and tear on their body, slash like the way I always went about doing it was I'm gonna coach for the player to the player, not necessarily to somebody above me on the please, somebody above me on the hierarchy. Like they should have, if they got up there and they're positioned the hierarchy, like they should have their job handled and know what to do. Like these are the people that I'm beholden to, you know, my players, you know, people on the staff underneath you, their dependents, those things. But like my philosophy was like, I can coach forever if I want to, but these guys can play for only such a small amount of time. Like their playing window and their earning window uh, and the game that they play their entire life is so small that like um, you can't, can't you can't waste it right like we we can't waste it as a as a as a organization we can't waste it as a coach right so like I always kind of thought through that lens and, and that's that was the hard thing you know for me you know seeing that like you'd see guys that maybe you thought like you thought were like really good players and they're in a contract year right and then all of a sudden you have a bad season as a team and it affects like their market value right they ought to go take a play a one-year you know prove it and play it deal at someplace else hopefully having a better season to get that but that's one more year where and tearing the bottom so you see those things and you see sometimes unfortunately it's a team game and certain things outside their control affects them right you see they're still playing at a high level at 30 31 years old really high level but they're on a team that's underperforming and their contracts up and that team wants to get younger and move on. Somebody, somebody else is like, well, Hey, the, the team didn't do very good. So they must be old and, and can't play anymore. And that's not the case. And then they, they get prematurely sent out to pasture, right? Like there's some ancillary things with not winning that aren't talked about a, a lot. And, um, and like, those are the things that always kind of kept me up at night. And one of those players actually was in the news today because you had the privilege of coaching uh, Christian Kirksey and Joe Schobert. And, you yes. know, uh, Kirksey, Kirko, he's kind of just been that veteran staple now ever since his time in Cleveland. And today, you know, was released by the uh, the Texans. So I'm sure somebody who's looking for veteran leadership in that linebacker room is going to look for a guy like Kirko. But coaching a guy I, like I Joe hope so. I hope so. I mean, I haven't I've been, you know, running the the, the financial firm all day long and in and out of uh, client meetings, but literally five minutes before I hopped on here, my father sent me uh, an article, you know, mm-hmm. saying that about, you know, Kirko just getting released. I was like, man, you know, I just started thinking in my mind, I was like, holy crap, that, about that, that whole, that whole linebacking crew right now is, is now done, either retired out when it comes to Jamie or Schober, Jannard Avery, unfortunately, just tore his ACL um, in, in at the, at the, at the Colts. Right, like a, a week or so ago, and so he's he's obviously out for the year. But a lot of those wrestlers, guys, the, the James Burgesses of the world, and everything, they're 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 done. They're retired, and so hopefully, if Kirko wants to um, keep playing, that he'll get that chance. You know, I actually I actually spoke to Megan Sherbert yesterday. Uh, she's coming out to London in 2024. Oh yeah, and I. She gave me the breaking news that uh, Joe was joining the Steelers, and I had it before anyone else. And I texted her yesterday, and on Joe, she said nothing at the moment. Watch his space. So, uh, um, yeah, I think he's living out in Denver yep. at the moment in Colorado. Yep, out out in Denver, out in Denver, they're living their their dream life, and that's something about Shobes not not getting into you know too much into his business, but like just as the type of person that he is. But like when I first met him like get to talking to him about like his goals and all those things. He wasn't even a middle linebacker yet. Right. But that was one of the things that he said, like, Oh yeah, I'm going to do this. I want to do this in my career and then have enough, earn enough. And we're going to move to Colorado where they're not from. Right. And they're from Wisconsin and move to Colorado, you know, build a, build a, uh, um, a dance studio for your Meg to run and retire and do this thing. And like he spoke it in, into existence and that's the type of guy he is very bright, hardworking, and like he can, he he can get there. And he to true to his word, like every single thing he told me at the end of his rookie year, you know that he was going to do. Like he he did, you know exactly that. It was that's the type of guy he is. Um, he was Pro Bowl a couple of times, was he or not? Yep. And so that his first year, you know, funny enough, I mean, think about it. Like 
lot of people don't realize how impressive that is, right? Never playing off the ball linebacker before, right? Let alone middle linebacker going on an 0-16 team and then making the Pro Bowl, right? In a position you've never played before and you didn't win a game, right? And you and, and you went to the Pro Bowl. Like that's that's how well he played the position that that even his his peers and the other coaches and players are like, oh yeah, this 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 guy's the real deal, you know. Very proud of that moment. When you have guys like a Schobert, when you have guys like a Kirko, you know, the Browns have a guy now with Anthony Walker. What yep. type of impact from a coach do those guys have on the, you know, the younger guys or the, you know, the rookies coming up, how much do they help your job? Like what, how vital is that role? Cause we see a guy like Anthony Walker fighting back from injury and not just like tweak injuries, We're talking major injuries. And the Browns are like, yeah, we need this guy back in the locker room. So what is it about a player like that, that makes them so vital to that locker room? You know, they're different, right? Like, so Kirko and Schober were like the perfect yin and yang, right? Like, and they were different as well, too, and kind of how they led that defense, how they led the, the locker room and, and all that stuff. Um, and so it can be different for the player. And it also, to a degree, it's like what to what degree of you allow as a player ram type thing, right? Like, do you allow them to be, be all they can um, be, you know? You know, and so it's uh, it can be anything from like the actual stuff on the field, like you used to see Schobert do, like checking us in and out of plays, like calling, telling everybody what the offense was doing ahead of time, like getting us out of dilemmas, like seeing one of his like players that wasn't aware that this was going to happen, and and maybe he'd seen that guy mess that thing up in practice multiple times, and so Schobert was special enough to be like. Well, I'm just going to know when that's going to happen. And when we get to the game day, like I'm going to let the coaches coach and I'm going to let you try to figure it out all week long. But when we get to game day, I'm going to know that's coming. I'm just going to turn to you and be like, they're getting ready to do this. Like he was special enough to like, like Drew Brees, honestly, that I coached with that could remember all of those little things. And they just be like, oh, thanks, you know, because it would have been one more thing, one more time that they didn't see it or feel it you know, and whatnot. And he was special in that standpoint. And, and Kirko had that, that energy, that swag, you know, um, kind of ability to like motivate and lead the troops from that standpoint. And then the field and then the play and the hustle um, to, to back it up, you know what I mean? As well too. Um, so it was a, it was a good, a good mix from that standpoint. It's so like when you have those guys, like they're force multipliers, right? I mean, they, they bring something beyond their just physical own production in their own little world um, to the team. And, and, and you're always looking for, for those type of guys that can be those force multipliers. I mean, they're, they're gold to a, to a unit, you know? Yeah. And those type of players, you know, a lot of times when you look at the general media, they talk about quarterbacks, right? The Tom Brady's, the Drew Brees's. I mean, there was a little snippet I saw going around of Aaron Rodgers. You know, a defender steps in the gap. He goes, you're not coming. Just back up. I already know what you're doing. <laughs> you know, it, it's those guys that understand the game at a different level. You know, they've seen it before. Because if we go back to that season with Schobert, because you always looked at him and you're like, wow, this guy isn't blowing off the screen and making all these plays. But all of a sudden, then he slides into a passing lane and intercepts a ball on a late fourth quarter drive. And, the, you know, you'd hear the people on TV like, how did the quarterback not see him? And it's like, well, because he read that play. He's not supposed to be there. But you're right. He saw something on tape. He steps in. He makes the play. And sometimes that those are the type of things that fans don't necessarily see. It's more of when you have a unique talent, when you have somebody that understands the game on a mental standpoint, you know, everything I hear is like, oh, that's a coach's dream. So... Yeah. And the thing about Shobes, too, is, like, and I'd obviously done a lot of work on him. Um, sometimes we, like, we put guys in the wrong positions, not the wrong positions, but, like, a position that doesn't maximize their things. And so, like, I try to, I try to from the get-go, design things specifically for him and his unique talents. Like, this is a guy that set the state record as a junior for rushing in the state championship game when they won the state championship game he rushed for 296 yards and three touchdowns as a running back in wisconsin right he played say he played free safety right he went to he went to wisconsin as a walk-on wide receiver and got moved to 34 outside linebacker He's an elite, like especially like the, the, the high school level, right? And if you've ever seen the viral, like have you ever seen the viral like 
360 dunks and taking yeah. the ball through his legs. I mean, he's a he's a big time basketball player and athleticism. And so try to design his role in the defense with his mind, but things that more tapped into like his basketball athleticism and like a little bit more into that range. You like almost playing like somewhere in between a free safety and a middle linebacker and that Tampa two, you'd always see him deeper than everybody else. And some people would be like, oh, well, he's not a thumper. He's not coming down and taking our gap. And it's like, well, he doesn't even have a gap. Like, literally, in the way we designed the defense, he does not have a gap. He is scraping over the top of everybody. The linebackers and the D linemen, like, they have all those gaps. Like, he doesn't have one. But he's going to play basketball and coverage back here in the inside of this thing. And he can feel, we call basketball being on the line, up the line, and playing denial defense and angles. And he can, like, bait guys in, like, bait the point guard into throwing this ball and then cut the angle off and go steal it. Like, those are things he's done his entire life in other sports. I just try to, like, I guess my life in other sports will, too, try to tap into those things, mm-hmm. right? And, and same thing for Kirksey, elite man-to-man coverage guy, you know, a lot, a lot of range. It's like, hey, you're going to be the will linebacker. And if we have trouble with the tight end, you're going to go cover Delaney Walker. Or you're going to go cover, you know, whoever, like, wherever they go and blanket them in man-to-man and make them throw the ball someplace else. Like utilize those 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 skills and talents. Jannard Avery, you're gonna go rush the passer, right? Like in in whatnot, you know. And so utilize their their skills to the max, you know. Of of the many elements of the Browns fan base, there's one that you don't know about. It's called Browns Twitter. And when a player has a highlight reel, like Dewan Jones's basketball career or Joe Schobert's 360 dunk, trust me, when he's drafted, we're they will find whatever cool. video they can we once signed like this one quarterback i don't even know what i can remember the year his name was alex tanny he was like the trick shot quarterback they found videos that, yeah. of this guy <laughs> banking the ball off the stanchion from 30 yards i mean we if you've done it we will find it like there is this cult of people that will just excavate any of your old high school tapes if you are running back it does not matter we will find it but speaking of brown's twitter one of the most talked about people on Brown's Twitter, ironically enough, and he's, I don't find him to be controversial. I find him to be a wonderful person. I've had one interaction with him and a couple interactions with his family. And that is former Brown's head coach, Hugh Jackson. Hugh Jackson, by all accounts that I've heard from several players, he was well-liked, a stand-up guy. They had no issues with his coaching and thought he kind of got a raw deal. Now, obviously, we saw the little contention between Todd Haley and Hugh Jackson. That's on the offensive side of the ball. What was it like coaching under Hugh? So, first of all, I mean, I'm a, I'm, I'm a big Hugh fan, right? Like, I still talk to Hugh, I mean, ever literally at least once a week, you know, for in multiple different capacities and, and whatnot. And I'm indebted to him because I would not be here without, without him. He, he brought me to Cleveland, brought me to the Browns, um, fell in love with this place and get to be here now doing that because of, of him. Um, and uh, obviously he was over on the offensive side. Right. And so we were on the defensive side and I mean, he gave us full support, full license, um, you know, to do anything and everything that, that we had to do. I mean, like what you would have hope of a good leader to trust you um and empower you and then but then also not to like try to overly get involved or crush you with micromanagement like let you do the job that, that he hired you to do especially if he thinks you know, you're doing it at the at the right level and so like um he was i mean a, a, an awesome person awesome human being but like one of my all-time favorite to to work for and work with As we go into that Mm -hmm. second year, we're going into 2018, right? The Browns obviously have a paradigm shift going from the Cody Kessler, you know, Mm -hmm. Deshaun Kaiser year. Now Baker Mayfield, right? Props to Baker. He's still in the league. He's still, you know, BFFs with Odell. I saw that video going around, but it's 2018. The Browns bring in Baker Mayfield, Denzel Ward, Nick Chubb, right? Did the dynamic of the team shift much? Now, again, Ward's on that defensive side of the ball. Obviously your old position at cornerback, how much different was it coaching in 2017 versus the 2018 team? Cause I know I was in the stadium for that jets game when, you know, Baker came in and it was like something I had not seen before. You know, I was still in the, let's give Tyrod kind of the thing to go. And then it was full go Baker. So what was it like well, on that 2018 season? I mean, it was, it was, uh, it was obviously there was a lot, right? Like you got, you got hard knocks, which always is, uh, 
you know, who I love the people that that do it and, and, and work there and whatnot, nothing it's them whatsoever, right? It's more where my, this is where my issue with it comes in, just like, like especially coming off of like losing and stuff like that is it can, it can potentially change people, right? Or, hey, you're in a situation, you're, you're losing. This is all of a sudden a public platform where you try to want to get out there, maybe your story, or this is, it ain't my fault, or I'm mic'd up today. And so I'm going to play, I'll play a character, you know, whatnot. Like, that's why, honestly, that's, I already knew that I'd been around Hard Knocks before. Like, that's why literally you did not see me on Hard Knocks. Like, I refused to have the microphone and have the cameras in my room, in part because I had the captains of that defense in my room. I was like, we couldn't have any ancillary. In my opinion, like we were coming off of 116, like we couldn't have, like we had to have a sanctuary. We couldn't have ancillary BS and acting, like any sort of thing. We didn't have the time to deal with that. So that was one thing, right? And then you got all the other things, right? The pressure of, I mean, you shouldn't feel it, right? Like these, that pressure should be there every single week, right? Shouldn't be about the past, right? But the pressure of 131, all those different things. Um, you know, new new guys in, new coaches in, new players in. So yeah, you I mean you see all that type of stuff going on, and to agree, people um, trying to maneuver in that. Like that's not necessarily the way I think about things. That's not definitely not the way as you guys see that my father thinks about things. Like really doesn't give two shits. You know, frankly, it's like this is the job. This is what it is. This is what the leadership is. This is what we believe. This is what we've coached, and like the the situation or this or that, like does it hard knocks or this does, does that doesn't matter like this is what it is you know um and how it's going to be um and so you you see all those things going on right and and um and whatnot i i will tell you like without um without i know there's all, all different competing things like i can only tell you what i'm a part of right like baker mayfield as a the baker mayfield i was around as a rookie all right, was one of not only the most special rookies I've ever been around, but one of the top, I mean, top five charismatic leaders um, that I've been ever been a part of in the locker room. And he did a lot in that year to like transform things, little bitty things, things you don't even see on the football field. But he did a lot of things that made that the hallways of that building sound like a frat house instead of sound like death in a funeral. Um, like competition competitions on, on with trainers on who could make the most shots of an ace bandage on a blind shot you know before going out to practice right and money getting thrown down and betting and stuff like that and everything but you know what it wasn't about that it was about everybody to attack the practice field after that like a like going out there like a frat house and like oh you, you know excitement togetherness and whatnot you know maybe like he started the most massive the most massive competition of decorating rooms in the hallways and everything that I've ever seen for Christmas, right? You're punking the rookies or not pleasing the rookies, the rookies, you got to decorate your room, right? And he turned, you know, I'll play game and turned it into an entire freaking thing, got all the other departments in the whole entire building. Like, oh, I guess you don't care about your, oh, I guess you don't care about your department. I'm guessing you don't care about your office. And it went from that and in, in funeral you know, feeling like or whatever to people with kids were literally bringing their kids or having their wives bring their kids to the office on Fridays to walk through it like a winter wonderland because it was like so crazy over top of the entire office. Those little things matter, right? And then when you're having actually some success um, and wins um, and you're, you're, not, you're not doing things, say like we had the benefit of being on an interim basis, which you know is probably means 99% of the chance you're out of there. So who cares? Like we're not doing it. No, there's no coaching scared or making the scared decisions. So that's honestly how you should always, that's, I believe you should always coach that way. Like you can't control whether you win or you lose, whether you're going to be retained or not. I've seen people, we went 0-16 that year. We got, we got extensions. The Tennessee Titans that same year, won their division, went to the playoffs, won a first-round playoff game, lost in the second round, and, and that entire staff got fired. Like, you know what I mean? Like, that doesn't it, that doesn't make sense. You can't control that. All you can control is, like, how you funnel it and how you go about your your business and your decision-making. You got to let the outside noise go. But, like, I had I had, a, uh, I had an awesome time being around. And that whole rookie class, I mean, Denzel Ward special. Nick Chubb is – we all see it all yeah. the time, like special, 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 special. And you could see it early 
you know, um, with him. And so like they had a, they had a huge impact, especially once they kind of got cut loose their rookie year and got given the chance to go. And they had some pretty good veteran supporting cast around them. Like don't like Jarvis Landry's pretty good person to have, you know, over there, right? Like the, one of the top, if not the top offensive line, especially internal offensive lines, like is pretty nice over there. Like, they're going to give Chubb some seams and Chubb's going to take it to the house. We've seen it happen over and over again when he gets those scenes, right? And Denzel Ward, you know, but he's got, you know, some of those DBs, the Jabril Peppers, you know, and he's got Miles Garrett, you know, saying you better throw the ball really quick, right? You know, or you can get hit. So you can squat on some things and sit on some things. So, you know, um, but they're, those 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 guys were a special rookie class. You know, Jannard Avery, a lot of people forget, Jannard Avery was first team all rookie. You know, as a, as an edge guy, he and Bradley Chubb, you know, first round draft pick and a fifth round draft pick, but they were they were the two first round all rookie guys, and so that was a that was a that was a big time draft class. Yeah, big big shame. It was a big shame when Avery left because I had a good relationship with his mum, and she used to always message me, and uh, she's a really nice lady, and uh, um, yeah, it was, it was, they went. He went to the Eagles, was that right? Or he went to the Eagles and then he went to the Steelers um, and then he went to the Bucks and then um, he went to uh, um, the Colts, which he was just there only really for like mini camp through training camp this year. And he just tore his ACL, but now he's one of my all time favorite love him to death. I mean, I've known him since honestly he was in college, you know, yeah. his, you know, the kind of the weird way that things work in this life, but his, his college position coach and the guy that recruited him in college, um, is one of my uh, close friends and kind of a, a mentor, you know, of mine um, that I've had to help a lot in his career. And I think you probably, as a football fan, you probably know him. His name's Daniel Lanning, the, the young head coach for the, for Oregon, University of Oregon. And he was the defensive coordinator, national champion, defense coordinator for Georgia before that. But he was the linebacker coach um, for, um, for, uh, um, the, for Memphis. Right. Nice. And so he was, he would always come up and, and the guy who was our safeties coach at the time at the Browns when we were there, Daniel Landing played for that guy at a small college in, in Missouri. So it's kind of like, so we kind of, you know, got to know each other like way back, way back in the day as Daniel was finishing his college career and going to be a GA, you know, um, in college, but he'd come up and he's like, I got this stud linebacker, you know, um, I'm not really sure like what he does well because he sawed off and he kind of inside linebacker, but when you put him down the line of scrimmage, like he's pretty special. And then he would just show me the film. He'd come up to our OTAs and when I show me the film, we talk about drills to do with them. So he was already in my mind, right? And so when it came, we'd been talking, you know, about it for two years. So when it came time to draft time, and my whole day with Daniel was always like, hey, look, he may not be prototypical size, weight, speed, but he's pretty dynamic when you have him do that. And it comes pretty natural to him. And, uh, so let him do that, <laughs> you know, let yeah. him do what he's good at. And so that was kind of our, when we drafted him, when, when John Dorsey decided to draft him, I was like, oh, hey, go ahead. I mean, I'm, I know he's tough. He's dynamic. He's athletic. And like, we'll, we'll, we'll make him work, man. We'll put him on the other edge away from Miles Garrett and like let him cut it loose with speed and let him roam off the ball a little bit and blitz and do those things. But like, let him do what he's, a, you know, best at and elite at and, and be successful at it. Right. That's an interesting point because you talk about obviously the player and the fit and we've noticed that over the years, the NFL linebacker, right? That Ray Lewis thumper, your big boy, 6'3", 240, 250. I mean, when you were there, you had Schobert, you had Jamie Collins, you had Kirko. These guys were all 6'1", 6'2", 6'3", 235, 240. Now the Browns have JOK at 6'2", 220, Taki's 235, Walker's 230, they're all a little bit smaller. I mean, they got a guy there, uh, Muhammad Diabate. This guy's 6'2", 6'3", 215, 220. Mm -hmm. What has caused kind of that shift? Is it spacing? Because the two big things we've seen in the NFL, right? We've seen this shift to the smaller, faster, that that star rover style linebacker. But also we've seen this shift away from that big hit mentality where safeties and linebackers were punishing people coming over the middle. Do you think those two things are intertwined? Or do you think it's more of a playing in space, speed type of shift? Why is the NFL going to these almost former safeties now playing linebacker? No, I think it's, it's a great question. And I, mean, I, and I think, I mean, it's more that you hit the nail on the head there at the end is what it is. It's more playing like defense, no matter how aggressively and offensively you play defense. 
concerns or not, you're still trying to match, you know, personnel um, and not and or not be. It's still a matchup game, you know, as, as we say, you know, maybe no nowhere more so than the, the NFL, right? Um, and so it's speed and space. It's speed and space, you know, to to, to a large degree, right? And um, also just as the way analytics and game theory, uh, rightfully so, has like changed um, the all, you know, the offense where, I mean, teams just aren't. I mean, they're if they run the ball 25 times in a game, like, well, like they're still throwing the ball. They're running 70 snaps a game, right? So they're still running the ball, you know, 40 times a game. 45 times a game, right? You know, I mean, I said throwing the ball 45 times a game, right? And even if they're they're running, if they're running the ball 15 times a game, I mean, some of these teams are dropping back to pass it 50 or 60 times a game in terms of real dropbacks, right? Like sacks don't count as dropbacks, but mm-hmm. you see, you look up, oh, they threw it 58 times this game. It's like, well, yeah, they also got sacked six times. So they dropped and they had these other illegal procedure type penalties. So they, they actually called the dropback pass, you know, the current, you know, when I first got into the league, I mean, you'll see certain teams that like literally will call as many pass plays as the average offense ran in total snaps, you know, when I, when I, when I first got in the league in a short amount of time. So like when you combine those two things of like two offenses just aren't, aren't there are passing to set up the run, running an advantageous situation, so to say um, if they're running from spread as well too, like they're not getting in, old school three yards and a cloud of dust type mentality. Um, you know, so they're like, hey, let's do ways that we can maybe cover up these linebackers with the front, stunt the front, you know, play bear, play double eagle, play these things like so these guys can roam and play more like special teams or like safeties, like you said. Um, because at the end of the day, in the grand scheme of things, like a linebacker not being able to come down and take on an ISO and an A gap or blow up power is not going to be, you know, 10 times a game is not going to be the difference between you winning and losing in the modern NFL, at least in strategy. It's going to be like, is he just getting wore out in space um, by these, even not even receivers, right? Like tight ends, right? You see the, the Travis Kelsey, the Kittles, the Njokus, right? Like, you know, I went early in my career, you know, when I was coaching even offense at the Saints, I was an offensive coach when we won the, the, the Super Bowl at the Saints, right? We had, we had a, um, Jeremy Shockey was a little bit later in his career, but then we had a young basketball player from the University of Miami that played one year of football, right, in his life that we drafted that was Jimmy Graham. And when he first stepped in the building, we were like, oh, my God, this guy is a freak of nature, you know, and whatnot. And, like, even when he was on scout team at times his rookie year, like, we're winning, we're, we're winning the Super Bowl and we can't cover the dude. Like, we put, we put two safeties on him. Like Pro Bowl safeties, like Malcolm Jenkins and Roman Harper, and he would just like moss both of them, you know, and just go for a rebound. And so you, you know, you need guys, you know, that can do that because that's going to make the difference between winning and losing. Um, so to say at volume, you know, than than the old school mentality. So I mean, if they all it goes in cycles, right? <laughs> if the league goes back to you know heavy personnel and three yards and cloud of dust, and you know playing, you know. Paul Brown, right? Like old school split T, split T offense. Then, then bring the wing. They'll change, back. right? They'll go back. Yeah, they'll change. You know, a little toss but, sweep, 44-45 yeah. action. Let's go. Yeah. Well, the Browns are in a unique thing because, and one of our other co-hosts, he's an analyst guy, so don't make fun of him too much. He goes a lot off of the PFFs of the world. You know, shout out Chris Collinsworth. But the Browns have always had kind of that struggling defensive tackle position. Like I don't think anybody's surprised when I say that, but we have Anthony Walker. Taki Taki and now JOK. So as a linebackers coach, you're looking at it. Would all of these guys play the roles? I mean, you mentioned a little bit, and I'd love to hear kind of the background about Brown's defensive coordinator, Jim Schwartz, and the roles that you see these three linebackers kind of playing in this current defensive system. Yeah. Um, and so obviously I've known, known, known Jim since I was a little kid. Um, a lot of people think about him getting this started at the Browns. He was really more kind of assistant video guy kind of, you know, uh, thing here real early in his career, but really got the majority of his coaching in the NFL background is actually a, a QC for my father um, at the Tennessee Oilers um, that became the Tennessee Titans. Right. Um, and that transition, it, it did a really good job with that. So got moved up to the linebacker coach 
Um, did a really good job at that. When my father left to be, he, he did his first head coaching job at the Bills. Um, Jeff Fisher promoted um, Schwartz to be a defense coordinator and, and, and the kind of guy's first gig from there. And so there's there's still some of those similarities there, like not as much of the exotic blitzing, right? It's it's much more of the of the the the, the Jim Washburn, right? Who um, was our was our great D line coach, you know, who, who my father brought into the into the NFL to be first first NFL gig um, to be his D line coach at the Titans, um, and kind of said, okay, and then they just so happened to you know draft Javon Curse and they freaked him and. You know, and like convince my, you know, even convince my dad and, and, and my dad and Jeff and some of those guys, like, we got to get this freak out there in space, like not be tucked in here playing these tight techniques. Like, how are you going to stop the run? Like, don't worry about it. we're going to stop the run and we're going to stop the run on the way to the, the quarterback. Okay. You know, as well, too, but we'll get it done. But let's get them out there. Um, and so that, that I think that created um, a foundational effect on 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 Jim and then and then even on me right it's like I was a I was a high school player you know sitting there watching watching that sitting in those meetings learning about that knowing I was going to coach one day and then you know kind of always intrigued me and then watching it have success throughout the years um in, in the wide nine and, and kind of match coverage and, and whatnot that they do and a philosophy on that right um uh, not not getting too much out of the weeds, but like you know, Jim's a Jim's a, a an econ, you know, summa cum laude econ major from Georgetown, right? So there's a little bit of of the way he runs the defense as a uh, kind of as a hedge fund, right? You know, from that standpoint, economic <laughs> background. Like my father runs it a little bit more like a um, high like a high stakes Texas Hold'em player. It's two two different philosophies, right? Like one of them, there's a lot of bluffs and like all ins and come get sums, and the other. <laughs> is very much like managed risk you know and whatnot and it's just it is is what it is but like I think the linebackers those three that you listed right there um especially when you talk about some of the d-line and pass rushers that they have and some of the coverage guys that they have um like like Miles Garrett and Denzel Ward those positions in a gym sports defense are premium positions and the fact that he's got some premium players at those premium positions I think will be pretty cool to see but yeah that's Sam Mike and Will that they already have there um, very much fit the Sam, Mike, and Will mold for that that kind of that that Schwartz defense. Like those guys that can really run and hit, be rangy, um, and whatnot. They got to stay healthy. You know, it's not on wood. We hope hope they can. But I think they fit that mold. Um, you know, well. Will Browns fans see a different Miles Garrett going out in that wide nine? Obviously, as Zadarius Smith, as opposed to Clowney, now lining up on over that will be defensive left side, right tackle. Is Miles going to benefit going out to the outside shoulder of that tight end, which is the wide nine? Yeah, I mean, I think so, right? Like, you see, I mean, in the grand scheme of things, like, that's where you've seen a lot of Miles' success over the – or any of those guys' success over the years, right? The elite ones, right? It's not um, necessarily, like, playing down – inside a tight end or playing down and getting chipped, you know, knocked around and kind of slowed up from being able to get off the ball and have kind of width and space to see and generate speed and turn it into power, which is, uh, you know, a free cat as well too. Um, and then just like, just some of the philosophies as well too, right there, you know, in that scheme where it's, it's very simple and, and Miles, Miles is a super intelligent person. So, like, the simplicity of this scheme is never going to be an issue, right? Like, with Miles, like, he's brilliant. Like, he can handle as much as you could throw on him, like, scheme-wise. Like, he can learn. Um, but, like, the just simplicity of, like, just aiming your gun, getting lined up with space, and go. And kind of the same key, the same technique every single time. And a level of, like, hey, tackle the run on the way to the quarterback on this track. Everything's kind of like based on tracks, you know, so to say, hey, what if the tackle overreaches? What if the tag? I'm on my track, right? Tackle vertical sets. I may run him over and go through him, around him, or inside. If he he oversets me, I'm going to club him by and go by. But like, really, I'm on my track. That Jim Washburn, you know, wide nine track that we've seen guys do all the time. And like, you can't control the set of the of the tackle. You can't control that stuff, but you can control your track and you can control your mentality and your get off and your aggressiveness on your track and then just being a, the elite athlete that you are. So I, I think, and I hope like you'll, you'll see that, right. Like that you'll get even just a little bit, you know, more, more production um, and whatnot by just getting more chances to, to do that. Right. And simplicity um, of, of doing that over and over again. And, and you'll find here defense is one thing. So a lot of teams, you know, the, they're, 
the Rams type, you know, the greatest show on turf. Cleveland, that blue collar city, right? They really, fans especially, they want to just embrace. That's why your dad will never have to buy another drink in this city because they <laughs> embrace that defensive mindset of come get some, right? And yeah. they see the Eagles, they see these guys. They want, not necessarily blitz because we get a little reckless with a lot of that, but in terms of just a defense that can just fight and so many times the Browns would have a lead late, the defense would bend and then you lose on a less on field goal or whatever or not. They're just looking to get back the identity of just that badass punch you in the mouth. Like we're going to wreck you. And like I said, that that's why when, you know, your dad comes in with his famous punchlines uh, that he has, it was just like, everybody was like, Yes, that's exactly what I want. I want Nick Chubb pounding this right through his chest, and I want the defense just going steel curtain, not to use the yeah. Steelers reference, but yeah. you know, like you you still have the football in you. So, you know, I'm sure you don't miss the 80, 100 hour work weeks. You know, obviously it's nice being able you got the views of the Brown Stadium in the back. You know, you're able to travel. If an NFL team ever called, are you are you ever going to be back? I know your dad is kicking butt in the uh, XL with the DC Defenders. Is there anything that could sway you back to the sidelines? I I, I don't think so. I think that ship sailed. You know, may I, maybe in some sort of a consulting role, like okay. the, the the place that's right there behind me, right? Like <laughs> I still have so many friends there. They know I'm 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 right here. Like be more than more than more than happy to talk shop and add some some theory and add some uh some stuff but i think they got they got so many great people there but no honestly i mean all jokes aside i mean i'm still working the i'm still working the the 80 hour weeks and the grind you know <laughs> running you know the, this business and a couple other businesses um but the nice thing about it is I, I control it right so i control the schedule i am the boss right i can partition that schedule up however i want to go coach um to co-coach T-ball in Berea, right? Like for my daughter and my son and little league soccer. Um, I can go travel to see my family, go travel um, to see friends and whatnot. And then I can, oh, just so happened to like, um, some of those friends are my clients, right? Or do client meetings in that purposely in that place that I went to, right? So that it's a taxable write-off event as a business owner and whatnot. And all those little nuances, right? And um do fall like this is an awesome uh, place to live in the fall really awesome like if you've been in ohio anybody's been up in here and in a life in football where i i i lived it as a you know as a as a kid and then and then and then put and then playing it and then coaching it and whatnot like i really truly i know it's weird to say um probably or here um but like, i didn't realize like all the things are already do in the fall Right. Like I didn't, I've yeah. never lived that life until I was, you know, retired and 36, you know, 37 years old and whatnot. Um, we had, there was a lot of times we didn't have Thanksgiving or have Thanksgiving on Thanksgiving, right? Because either dad and or me as the dad was playing across the country on the road on Thanksgiving, or we had to have Christmas on the 24th or the 26th because we were playing on the road on the 25th, you know? And so it's like, there's all those things, you know, that are, that are, um, I think, you know, taken for, for granted um so now having too much fun doing what i'm doing here i've got an amazing team um at at, at lakefront uh, amazing culture um and, and i would do i wouldn't be here otherwise i mean here here right like i'd be here in cleveland we love cleveland but i wouldn't be here um without without those people um so i still love it i still do i, I run a coaching consulting business as well too so i i do a bunch of that uh, anyways, you know, do a lot of zooms out there for coaches all across the country, get brought into places. Um, like, I mean, and these guys know, like, I mean, I'll, anytime, you know, sports or coach Tarver or, or Kevin or Andrew or Depot or want to talk, you know, like, we'll we'll talk, you know, you know, sort of thing. I talk with some of my old players, right. Yeah. Where they're saying like, Hey, check this out. Like look at my film, tell me what I can do to, to get better. I mean, I still love that. And it gives me my football fix. Um, but I can, I can control the standard of living a little bit better. And then frankly, I be honestly, like I can, at the end of the day, I can create more generational impact on the people I love and like the people I've coached before doing this for them and their families with like some of my skill sets than, than doing that. Right. And it's, and, and that's, that's real talk at the end of the day. I can create legacy for my own family and standard of living for my own family, but like 78% of all NFL players being bankrupt or like financially yeah. insolvent within two years of their career ending. 
60% of NBA players same having the same stat within five years of their career ending, like that's unacceptable. Like that's un, un, unacceptable and it's never going to be perfect, but it can be a lot better than that. Um, and so trying to change that brick by brick um, every single day, you know, so that like you've worked your life for this, you've become the this unicorn, you've gotten this amazing situation. Um, and then, and then um, went, went rags to riches, back to rags. Like we gotta, we gotta, we gotta do better um, as, as leagues and, and coaches um, and unions and whatnot at, at, well we are short on time but i would be remiss to not ask this is the question we all have your dad on the camera or coaching is he like that as home as a grandpa like growing up is the greg williams that you see is he the same guy it is like literally 100 like it is not an act it is not for show like it, it the same messages you're you it's just the mic just happened to pick it up right now that's all all we're we're seeing you know right now but like that's the same stuff we heard at the dinner table the same principles you know that we heard i mean at real talk like you know i mean that's 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 what we were raised on um he's a little bit more mellow to the grandkids you know and 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 whatnot but like and what you see is what you get with him. Like he always talks about all the time, like say what you mean, mean what you say. Like there's yeah. no uh there's no fluff with it. Like that's just wow. that's just who he is. And that's why the guys, if you were if you weren't, like let's be honest, like he's intense, like and he's out there. Like if it was an act or even just snipped that it was an act, like the players wouldn't respect it and or yeah. love him or and or like for, you know, you know, jump on a bomb, you know, for him that way, right? Yeah. So well, I would say. Next time I'm in Cleveland, I need to, I would absolutely pay for the bar tabs. I'd love to have the drinks and the opportunity just to talk football. It would be a hell of a time. There's no doubt about it. Blake, we cannot thank you enough. Paul, you want to take us home? We're, we're, yeah, we're finishing Blake, up here. I'm seeing you on game day. How are you feeling about being a fan on game day? I'm excited about it. I finally kind of gotten to that point, right? Like I haven't, I've just watched the games from my home the past couple of days. Right. But I'm, I'm finally gotten to that point where I'm excited. I've, fully stepped away from that 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 coaching life and in my identity and I'm excited to be what, a, uh, be a fan. What, what jersey are you gonna wear on game day? Have you worked out? Man, I don't know. I don't know. All right. Browns, Browns everybody Browns fit. Something I got. I got yeah, I've got that shirt at home. So probably some of my old Browns gear. Perfect. Go brownies. Well look uh Blake, thank you so much for your time and I'll see you seven o'clock in the morning in the Muni lot. I'll see you there, brother. Appreciate you guys. Brilliant. Thanks a lot, Thank you. Thanks a lot for your time. He's expecting you to have your nuts right there. Put your testicles in the sea gap. <laughs>